like Dave said. Um, Kayla and I are currently as a part of a church in Independence, Missouri, and we are have started the, the core group, the, the building process. Many of you guys saw that this last Christmas um, of a new church plant in Blue Springs, Missouri. And we're really excited to be a part of that. We, we moved there in May um, and we have a house and we, we've got a yard for the kids to play in now. And we're just starting to establish ourselves in that community, uh, having small group, core group meetings, trying to grow the church uh, very slowly right now, but it, it's, it's going good. And we're, we're looking for a space to meet and, and we're just really excited about that. God has blessed the church in so many different ways from uh, just great uh, connections with other leaders in the community who are wanting to help this church take root because Blue Springs is in need of a church. It's, I, I think I, I said this uh, a couple times ago when I was here, but it's a city of, of close to 60,000 people, 60,000 people, and that's growing every year. And there are only maybe 40 to, to 38 churches in the city. 40 to 38 churches. And I know that seems like a lot of churches, but if you, if you do the math, there's not enough seats for the butts to sit in. There's not enough. And so really, Blue Springs is in need of multiple churches in that city. And so we're really excited about that. God's been blessing it, and we've seen that grow, and our numbers are growing. And so hopefully uh, this fall or after the first of the year, we'll start launching and having Sunday services and, and beginning to really see God move in the city of Blue Springs. We have a lot of vision for the mission of seeing God not just transform the lives of the people spiritually, but also physically revitalizing the dark places in the city. And that's what we believe, and that's what we hope for. And you guys have helped us and have been a huge part of that. And so I thank you this morning. Let's pray before we jump into Job. Um, I'm really excited about today's text. We've been uh, working through at our church back home, like working through the ideas of every time like God interacts very closely with mankind. And so this has been on my heart lately. And I'm excited to share that with you this morning. So if you would just join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for being a good God. Lord, that you have uh, you've blessed us with sunshine, that you've blessed us with rain. God, you just are, you are a faithful God to us in the hard times and in the good times, Lord. You are there and you are strong. Lord, you love us unending. And so, Lord, this morning as we look into your word, as we dive into Job, God, that you would open our hearts, open our eyes, and open our minds to what your word has for us. Let us hear you through the Bible let us see your spirit move in our hearts and let us be changed forever in your precious name. Amen. So when talking about Job, before we talk about it, we have to talk about this idea of control. Who loves being in control? Just be honest. Really honest, right? I love being in control. I didn't realize I liked being in control until I was out of control. And, and in those moments, we, we rarely feel like life is going good when things are falling apart, when chaos is around us, where like in the same week you have a big project at work due, your kids have like 50 extracurriculars going on, uh, you know, your, your basement floods, like my, the other pastor at the Avenue sent me a picture last night. We had a big rain in Kansas City not too long ago and his basement flooded and we got a commercial vacuum in there and we sucked out like 40 gallons of water out of his basement. And it was a bad deal. And we thought we had it barriered. We sandbagged the, the, the door and all this stuff. And then last night they got a big rain and he sent me a picture and he's out there just vacuuming it up again. And it's just, I mean, none of us feel good in those moments when life is completely out of control. You think you've built walls around it. You think you've got yourself secure, and then the water just starts creeping in, right? We don't feel good when our life is out of control. And when we're out of control, 
It's not just that we feel bad, but it's when our, our flesh, the, the fleshly side of us as human beings is at its strongest, right? It's like we get squeezed down and in the humanity of who we are, we kind of see who we really are, right? The pressure's on, we start to feel like stress, we start to feel anxiety, and in those moments we react, and when we react not out of our, uh, not out of our identity as Christ followers or believers in Jesus, but we react out of our flesh. We act angry. We act reactive. We're, we're passive-aggressive. We're irritable. Who's ever been irritable in this room, right? Man, if, you have, if you're a parent, like, don't even not raise your hand. <laughs> we've all been irritable. We've all felt like we've been out of control, and we don't always like that person, right? It's not, it's not someone that we like to be. It's not someone that we like to have uh, other people see, to be around. We know that, that a person who is out of control or feels out of control, uh, and when we, we feel like life's pressure is on us, we don't, we don't love to be that person. We often question God's plan in those moments. And just being honest, we wonder if he really knows what he's doing with us or if he's just flipping switches and watching to how we respond. Is that not how we feel honestly sometimes? Life gets hard and we're like, God, like, what is going on? What's going on? I don't understand these circumstances. I don't get why this has to happen this way. I think you're doing this wrong. My way would have been a lot better, right? We can be honest and say that. Today, we're going to look at a guy in a Bible who's, who can relate to that. And really, he can relate to that better than any of us can, because what, what Job experiences in Scripture is... is I don't think any of us have ever experienced anything to that magnitude. We're going to talk about Job, and, and I'll give you some background on him. Job was a man of honor, righteousness, wealth. He had seven sons, three daughters, and listen to this. He was in possession of 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yokes of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and many servants. The Bible describes him as the greatest of all the people in the East. Who all has that many donkeys? Anybody in the room? 7,000 sheep? Job is rolling in the biblical money right now. Like, he's doing really well. He's wealthy. He's successful. He's got a big family. He's just doing things well. But, but not only is he successful by, like, what the world would see, he's, he's righteous. God calls him righteous. And then Satan comes along. And he says, this servant Job of yours, he, he's surely going to crumble if you just let me test him. Let me test him. Let me mess with him a little bit, and I bet he turns away from you. I bet he abandons you, God. I bet he looks at God, and, and he's like, God, I don't want to deal with you anymore because you allowed this bad stuff to happen. And so God's like, test my servant Job. I want to I give you a caveat this morning, and, and I want to say that we, we don't believe in a God that doesn't allow us to experience suffering. He allows us to experience suffering, but it's not because he wants to punish us. It's because it will bring ultimately our ultimate good and his ultimate glory. We're going to see that today. But God allows Satan to test Job. And what happens to Job? He loses everything. He loses his kids. He loses all of that livestock, which had to be a mess to clean up. Just seriously. He loses his servants. Basically, all he has left is his wife. And if you read the entire book of Job, probably should have taken her too. <laughs> she wasn't the most supportive. 
But he loses everything, and it's a really bad deal. And Job is upset. He's ripping his clothes. He's, he's, he's falling, at, you know, falling apart, and his friends come, and they're like, Job, like, you really must have ticked God off. Like, what did you do to make all this happen? And, and he's just on the ground. He, he's throwing, like, this fit. He's not, he's not abandoning God, but he's, not, he's also just he's not in a good place. Like, who would be in a good place, right? They just have lost everything. But he's not in this good place. And his wife, even it says at one point, like, why don't you just curse God and die, Job? Like, it would be better for you just to go. Like, this is, this is really a bad deal. And Job gives God a one big, you've abandoned me. And then something incredible happens. This is one of the most intimidating scriptures to me in all of the Bible because in all of my times where I felt out of control, when I've argued with God, when I've, when I've railed against God and said, God, I don't think you're doing this right. I think I have a better idea. I have a better plan. I can do this better. I am reminded of this text. And so let's just go together to Job 38, verse 1. This is God's mic drop. <laughs> then the Lord answered Job, out of the whirlwind and said this, who is this that darkens my counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you and you make it known to me. Where were you, Job, when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know, or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk, or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shattered for joy? Or who shut the sea with doors when it burst from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment, and thick darkness its swaddling band, and prescribed limits for it, and set bars and doors, and said, Thus, how, thus shall far you come, and no farther. And here shall your proud waves be stayed." Verse 12, have you commanded Job the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place, that it might take hold of the skirts of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it? It changed like clay under the seal and its features stand out like the garment. From the wicked, their light is withheld and their uplifted arm is broken. Have you, Job, entered into the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you, Job? Or have you seen the gates of the deep darkness? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth, Job? Declare if you know all of this. And God does not stop there. He, he goes on for, for chapters, right? Like just telling Job, like, hey, Job, you think you know a lot, man, but, but were you there when the foundations of the earth were laid? Do you know so much about my plan that you, you've seen this crafted? You, you understand how the world functions, Job? You surely must since you, you think you know so much. God in all of his mighty power answers Job quickly with a rebuke out of the whirlwind, which by the way, how scary would that be? A whirlwind shows up on the scene. Job's laying on the ground, ripping his clothes. People are around like, Job, you must have messed up. And then God's like, hey, Job, quit whining out of this tornado. It's a big, scary kind of deal. God ends the first half of the speech with, at the very end of all that, he says, shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty? He who argues with God, let him answer it. That's how God ends his, his speech of creation, talking about how everything was made. He says, he who finds fault with, with me, let him answer for himself. 
Who, who argues with God, let him answer it. How does Job respond? Job responds with fear and humility, being reminded by the vastness of God and being put in his place by the creator. If that happened to you, you're not going to be like, what? What are you talking about? Like, that's not how you're going to respond in that moment. You're probably going to be changing your drawers, right? Like God just went off and Job just humbles himself. And then the Lord continues with his challenge to Job. He doesn't just stop with creation. After first depicting his reign over all of the earth and all of how he created it, he continues with the description over the powerful creatures of the earth. And he goes on and he goes on and he goes on. At this point, I think it's important to pause and examine Job's feelings versus God's answers and parallel that to how we feel today. Because if anyone was out of control, if anyone lost everything and felt like they were in a pit, it was Job. It was Job. He lost more than any of us even have in, in moments. But he also does this, and this is important. He fights hard in those moments of loss, in those moments of chaos, to remain upright in all of his temptation he tries to remain upright. He tries to be strong. And then God shows up with an answer. Can we just imagine that together this morning? Like in those moments when we've complained to God, in those moments when we've been broken, and, and I know we all have, most of us in this room have complained to God at one point and said, why? And I just asked the question, why God? Why God? Can you imagine him answering in those moments? not just answering through the Bible or answering through a phone call from a friend or answering in the way he does for us so often, but answering in a whirlwind, in a tornado in those moments, powerfully saying, who are you to question me? I've, I've created all this. My plan is quite perfect. And you come questioning me. We must sit in silence at that point, right? We must <laughs> just lay down. God lays a heavy burden down on Job and offers him incredible rebuke. He spanks him in that moment. It's like, Job, what are you doing? What are you doing? He challenges Job and that Job clearly thinks that he should have, that things should have gone one way and that God allowed them not to go the way that they should have gone. That's Job's whole point. He complained and God explains why he has the authority to do what he did. Job's like, why? God's like, here's why I did it, and here's why I have the authority to do what I just did, Job. This is not an endearing, uh, hand-holding language that we see with God here. We don't see God just picking Job up in his arms and saying, Job, it's okay, baby. It's okay. No, he, he says, who are you to question me when I have made all of this? Do you not think my plan is righteous and perfect for you? Do you not trust me, Job? Do not trust me? God, God calls to question everything Job thinks he knows and leaves Job without a reply. Leaves him without a reply. This is either for us today helpful or a slap in the face to the chaos in our lives, right? In our own selfish, sinful outcries, God has a purpose and a plan that is sometimes bigger than all of our own understanding. It's bigger. 
And so this is a truth that we have to remind ourselves because it's so easy for us to have faith when things are okay. It's easy for us to, to be excited about the things of God, to be in our word, to be doing this, to be loving people. It's, it's easy for us to do that when things are okay, but when we get squeezed by life, when chaos is all around us, when we feel like everything is falling apart, how easy for us is it to go the other way and say, God, what are you doing? Why? But we must understand that God has a purpose and a plan, and it is sometimes bigger than what we even understand in the moment. We may not see it. We may not see it for years to come. I was talking to a guy in our church who, um, he's, he's been through a lot. He's experienced a lot. He's been in prison. He's just had a really rough life. And um, I was talking to him one day and he was like, you know, I didn't know it then when I was in jail. I was angry with God. And I didn't know why I was there. Now I know it was because I was being an idiot, but I thank God every day that he allowed me to go to prison <laughs> because I think I'd be dead if I, if I didn't go. I wouldn't have made it. I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be in a church. I wouldn't have a church family loving me and, and for me to love them if, if God had not sent me to prison that day. The, this friend of mine has, has a good he has a good view on, on how God functions. And in the moment, yes, he didn't understand and he questioned God, but now he can look back on his life and say, God, your, your plan was perfect. The picture you're painting was so much bigger than what could, I could understand in those moments. This is what Job's realizing here. Because the reality of our lives is stuff is gonna hit the fan, right? It's gonna happen. If you're in a good season, it's coming. It's coming, I promise you. This world, until Jesus returns and all things are made new again, until that happens, stuff is gonna hit the fan every single day. It may not be for you, but it's gonna be for someone else. Things are gonna go bad. And so we don't need to push those things out of our minds and push those things away, but we need to have an understanding that God's plan and purposes are in motion and they're sometimes bigger than what we understand. We won't understand why things happen all the time. What God doesn't promise us either, he doesn't promise us an explanation. Instead, what God does is he shows us faithfulness and steadfast love. If you read the Old Testament or you read the New Testament, he doesn't always explain why things are happening, but God is always there with his, the word is hesed. It's the, the word for steadfast love. He's always there always there, ready to meet them with his steadfast love. He doesn't always offer the explanation. He doesn't say, well, here's why I did that. But he's there. He's present with people. He's present with people. And he's offering him his faithfulness, his steadfast love. The life direction of a follower of Jesus must be moving towards trust in a good God and faith that we will, he will work all things out for our good, not just our good, though, his ultimate glory. This is his plan. This is why he does the things he does. It's, it's for our good, but it's really for his ultimate glory. And here's the cool thing. His ultimate glory is our ultimate good. We should, be, we should be desiring this as followers of Jesus Christ, that we want to see God glorified, and that's going to be the best thing for us. It's going to be the best thing for us, even though we don't understand Here's what I'm not saying, though. I'm not saying it's not okay to be upset. It's completely okay to be upset, to be angry with God, to be honest with God. Those are okay. And I've been there. 
I've been there in those, in those hard moments when I'm laying on my, my bed and I'm, I'm just thinking like, why is this how things have gone? I'm upset. I don't understand. Why did it have to go this way? God does not offer an explanation in those moments, but he does offer faithfulness and steadfast love. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be upset with God. The difference is, the difference where sin and, and faithfulness come into play is this. It's when we are able to, by his grace, not stay in our, in our pouty questioning, but we move to a settled confidence in Jesus Christ, into a settled confidence and this is who God is. This is who God said he is. This is who God says I am. This is who God says his people are. And I can move into a settled confidence of that. That's what faith is. A friend of mine defined it as a settled confidence in God that moves us to do something. Simple definition that we can sit in and just sit into God's goodness, sit into God's being, know who he is, and it excites us to the point where we go out and do something for his name. That's what faith is. So it's okay to be angry, it's okay to be upset, and it's okay to be just broken over, over the circumstances of life because we're human and that's only gonna be normal for us. But the difference is, is moving past that. Moving past that and being able to say, you know what, Lord, this is really hard and I don't understand a stinking thing what you're doing right now but I know you love me. I know that I love you. I know that you've been faithful before. And so I'm going to sit in, I'm going to dig in with you here and I'm going to press into your goodness and who you are. That's what faith is. And in Job, this is, this is how he responds. If you, if you move to, to Job 42, we can see how he responds to God. It's a short response. It's, it's just six verses. Job probably doesn't have a lot to say after, after chapters of just getting railed by God at this point. And so this is how Job responds. He says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered, listen to this, this is huge. I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know, Hear and I will speak now. I will question you and you will make it known to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Job saying, God, I spoke of things I did not understand. I'm sorry. I'm going to lay myself before you. And he says, I, I, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Job doesn't buck back at God in that moment and say, you know what, God? No, wait, you're wrong. He doesn't do that. He sees his error and enters into true repentance. He recognizes his wrong, humbles himself. This is the big one for us, right? It's not easy to humble ourselves when we think that we're right, but he humbles himself before a great God. And what does God do for Job? In the big picture, he gives it all back. He restores Job, but he doesn't just give, give it all back. He doubles it. He doubles it. And I don't want you to hear this this morning because I think it's easy to hear this, that if, you're, if you do everything God says, that he's going to double all of your stuff. That's not what he's saying. But God is, it is true in Scripture that God is faithful to his faithful. 
And so Job lays himself down and God restores Job. He restores him. The word for repent in verse six is the same word used for comforted. Job was finally at peace with God's plan. He was finally at peace. He settled in to God's plan. He repented. He tucked himself into the blanket of God's plan and said, all right, God, you're in control. Let's see what you got. And God blessed him. He blessed him. Today, many of you in this room may feel like Job. Maybe not to that extent. You may not have lost 7,000 cows today or, or whatever, but, but you know what I mean. You, you felt lost. You felt the chaos of this world coming in around you. You felt like you were reaching for the ledge and you just can't find it. This may be you today. This may be you today. You may feel lost. You may feel hopeless. Maybe you've lost everything. The challenge for you today is to not just sit there in the why. It's okay to ask the why. Know that. We all will. It's okay to ask the why, but don't just sit in the why. I ask, my challenge for you today is to press into the Lord's love for you. Place your trust, your hope in him. Repent like Job and just tuck in and just say, God, I'm here, I don't get it, but I'm here. I'm here, I'm showing up, I'm putting on the jersey, I'm here. And I promise you, God may not offer you an explanation, but I promise you, he will offer you his faithfulness. He'll show up too. He'll offer you his steadfast love. God's plan for us is not flawed. God's plan for us is not flawed. I think that's important that we hear that today. I need to hear that every day, that God's plan for me, for my family is not flawed, even though things seem to go astray sometimes and I'm backing out of the driveway and I bust the taillight and I'm driving to work and I drop my phone and it shatters everywhere and then I get to work and I have a flat tire and then I've got all this stuff coming in and someone comes in crying because their husband left them and all this stuff starts to happen and I feel out of control and I just say, God, I'm, I'm gonna press into you now and God's there. God's there. He, he's present and he loves you. He loves you deeply. And let's be a strong people and not let our circumstances determine our faithfulness. Amen? Let's not, let's not do that. That's what the world expects of us to do as believers in Jesus Christ. They're like, oh, they love Jesus now, but when bad stuff happens, watch them crumble. Let's not let our circumstances represent what happens to our faith. Let's be a strong people of God, a faithful people of God who can press in when things go bad. And you don't have to be alone in that, right? You're not white knuckling it on your own. God has given you this amazing, amazing thing called the church, the community of believers. You're a family and you don't have to struggle on your own. This life is meant to be fought in community together. And that's what you guys have here. That's why it's important to go plant churches and grow and, and be missional in our cities is because we need more communities of faith fighting for each other to press in to Jesus and his good work for us. That's the whole point of this life. That's why we make disciples. 
Press into God. Because the reality is, friends, and this is what it took me years of my life to understand, in college I suffered with severe anxiety, and I would lay in bed at night thinking, this may be the last night that you live on this earth. And I would go to sleep and never wake up again, and I would just suffer of anxiety over and over again. And here's why. It's because I felt like I was out of control. But here's the reality that God showed me via Job, and that I hope that you see today. And the reality is this, is that we are not in control. We are not in control. Even when things are good, chaos is right there. It's right there. We're not in control. Control over everything is a cruel and tempting idol that the enemy loves to put out in front of us and say, hey, you can control this. All of this, all of your finances, I think you have a better handle on it than what God does. All of your family, you know what? I think you can probably handle that a little bit better than God does. Oh, that apple over there in the garden, you can eat that. That's okay. It's the same lie that from the beginning of time, it's this idea of power and control, and it's, a, and it's an idol that will send us straight to hell. But the good news, the good news is if if you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, you have a haven in the midst of chaos. You have a haven, a safe place in the midst of that chaos. Jesus died so that we may live today. So that we may live today and live with a settled confidence in him that he has got it. Like Dave said, he has got it and he has got us. He will never release us from his hand. He has got us. That's what the gospel is. It's the good news that even though none of us have control, even though none of us can do enough stuff, we can't, you know, do enough good deeds, we can't walk enough ladies across the street, we can't do enough good stuff to get to heaven, but the good news of the gospel is that we didn't have to, that Jesus died for us, and all we have to do is follow him, and he's got us. Praise God. Praise God for that. So today, if, you, if that's you and your Job and you feel like your life is falling apart and you're in chaos, and maybe you don't believe in Jesus Christ, maybe you haven't experienced the steadfast love, the hased of God, I pray today that your heart be softened and that your ears hear that his loving whisper is right there for you. It's right there for you. And that Jesus Christ died for you so that you may live. It's the reason that we're here today as a body of believers. It's because of what Jesus did for us. As followers of Christ and for future followers of Christ, we don't expect a perfect life, right? It's not going to be perfect and, and daisies and, sun, and sunshine when we walk with Jesus. Storms will still come until his kingdom is fully revealed to us here on this earth. But what does come, and praise God for it, is a supernatural peace a settled confidence in God who has got you and will never let you go. His Holy Spirit is in us and it's living and active in our communities of faith. Praise God for that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning, there may be some of us in the room who feel much like Job, 
who feel like they've lost everything and they're hanging by the ledge of life. They've lost control and chaos is, is biting at their heels, Lord. God, I pray that you enter into a time with them, a time of peace, a time of love, and that you say, hey, you can let go because I've got you. I'm in control. I was there. God was there when the foundations of the world were laid and, I, and God is in control. Let us hear that this morning. Heavenly Father, for those who don't know you in this room, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move and it would soften hearts and that these people would, would cry out to you. Would for the first time experience the love and the peace of a God who created all of this earth, who created each and every one of us. God, for those of us who do believe, let us have a settled faith in you but not just to sit and do nothing, but God, a settled faith that causes us to go into our community, to go into our families, to go into our homes and to love people well. You've called us to that, Lord. Equip us for that work. Lord, we wanna serve you faithfully. We love you, we trust you, and we ask all this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. When I walk through deep